Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, team. Uh, That's our prayer that Jesus deserves all the glory. And we're praying that God might do a mighty work in our generation, that despite all the wars and the chaos and the difficulties of, of anxiety and mental health and all that's going on, I do believe that God can do a great thing through you guys. Uh, but that's going to take a bit of courage for us to actually share our faith with others, right? That God would do an amazing work to bring renewal and revival and that these seats would all be filled with many, many people. But God's going to use us, right, His church. And we're going to share this good news. But I, and I don't know how you feel about that, but if you're like me, I'm a bit more introverted. I, I like to be polite. I don't want to offend anyone. And so that's hard. I wonder if any other introverts can relate with me. Evangelism, uh, when I sort of say that, it kind of brings up all sorts of feelings. Maybe it's guilt, maybe it's anxiety, whatever it is. But what I want us to think about today is uh, why it's important, why it's what Jesus has called us to do, and a missing piece, and I'll get to that in a sec. Uh, But there's a few challenges that are before us. The first is that uh, people don't want to hear it. I don't know if that's your experience in the kind of the West at the moment. The church, just its message, people were like, no, thank you. And I say the church, uh, the people don't want to hear it. What they don't want to hear is the kind of impersonal uh, judgmentalism of a sort of a distant church. But in my experience, people want to hear your story. They want to know you, and we'll talk about that in a minute. A second problem that we seem to have is that the church is an image problem. Uh, for better or, oh, actually it's for worse, the, the terrible abuses that have been done by people in the church Uh, Rightly so, we're confronted with, we've got this image problem. And so it's really hard as we, hey, hey, Jesus is really great. And people are like, well, what's the church been doing? So we're confronted with that. And lastly, I think we've been relying on professionals and programs to do evangelism. We kind of wait for the, the speaker to come and do the talk, the program, and then that's mission, right? That's evangelism, and, then the, the, and that is, and that's good. But I think we're missing something of what Jesus has called his church to be if we're just relying on professionals and programs and not actually what it means to be the church. And so what I want to talk about today is we look at uh, Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 27. We're going to take a look at this passage, and I want us to think about hospitality, the missing piece, hospitality. And we're going to talk about what that is and why that's important. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to 32. Uh, Jesus, his mission was to come and save sinners, and he invites us to join us. That's what we're going to look at today. And my prayer is that we're going to be moved with compassion towards outsiders, uh, as Jesus uh, has. Uh, So let me read this to you, and then I've got a few things to share with you. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out, and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want to start by talking about the invitation. The invitation. Jesus says to Levi, follow me. This was his invitation. The first thing I want you to notice is that it's indiscriminate. It didn't matter who Levi was. I mean, in fact, he was a tax collector. I mean, no one likes the tax man. But especially then, these guys were cheating them and they were unloved. And yet Jesus, in his, it didn't matter who he was. It didn't matter how unworthy people saw him. It was indiscriminate. And his invitation was for him. And I love, as you read there, Levi is at his tax booth. Jesus didn't wait for him to come to church. Jesus met him where he was at, at his tax booth, and he gave, gave this invitation, follow me. And so my second point is the invitation is an invitation to a way of living. He says, he doesn't just say, believe in me. He says, follow me. Follow me. Do what I'm doing. My mission is your mission. It's a picture of discipleship that's apprenticeship. We're to follow Jesus. And thirdly, the invitation was worthy of it all. So as Levi sitting at his tax booth and he looks up at this man, he sees something in Jesus that is worthy of everything, of giving up all for him. Because he was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. Jesus' invitation is worthy of all our lives. And so as we think about, first and foremost, this invitation, have you accepted it? It doesn't matter how worthy or unworthy you are. It echoes again to us. Are we following Jesus? As we look at him and his love and his welcome, are we going to accept that? And are we going to follow him? So Levi he gets up, leaves everything, he follows him. How does he do this? What does it mean for Levi to follow Jesus? What does it mean for us to follow Jesus? Well, I love this. Verse 29, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. It's as if he's just gotten saved. And so his instinct to follow Jesus, to be a disciple is to turn on the barbie put on some snags and find some people to feed. It's hospitality. He opens his home to the outsider. And so I want to think about why hospitality, why banquets, what does that look like? What is hospitality? And maybe in your mind, when I say hospitality, what you think of is the fancy napkin folding, right? You go to a restaurant, you've got your plate and you've got that swan in a napkin and like that is hospitality. Or maybe for you, hospitality is just cooking. You sort of smell those curries or whatever. That's hospitality. And you think, well, I'm not a very good cook. I'm still living at home. So hospitality is not my jam. Why are you talking to this about me? I mean, this is not relevant. But I want to share with you that hospitality is so much more than just cooking. It is that, and it can be that, but it's more than that. And so this is my definition for you tonight Hospitality is welcoming outsiders as equals into our spaces, honouring their journey and serving their needs. 
welcoming outsiders as equals into our spaces, honouring their journey and serving their needs. So it might be welcoming someone into your home for a meal and to listen to their story and to serve their needs. But it also might be, for some of you uni students, it might be a coffee. Your space might be the hub or wherever it is. And you invite your uni friend into that space and you shout them a coffee and you honour their journey and you serve their needs. Or maybe you're into a bike riding on a Saturday morning. That's your space. You might welcome someone into that. Honour their journey. Serve their needs. And so three features I want to speak to. Welcome, honour and service. Romans 15, Paul says that as Christ has welcomed us, so we too are welcome to welcome others. His indiscriminate welcome. It doesn't matter who we are, what we've done. He welcomes us in, into the family of God. So too we're called to welcome others, welcome outsiders. Secondly, honour. Uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 uh, says we're to regard no one anymore from a worldly point of view. In other words, we see people differently. We've got different eyes. As we look at people, we see them with dignity. We see them with honour. He says, for Christ's love compels us. The love of Christ compels us. And lastly, service. Uh, Hebrews 13 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And then the next verse, he says, visit those who are in prison. I mean, it's a picture of service, of caring for people and their needs. So welcome, honour and service. So why hospitality? Why is that important for mission and evangelism, for sharing our faith? Why is that the missing piece? Of all three things I want to convince you. Firstly, it's about moving people from superficial to meaningful in a private consumer world. In other words, superficial. We talk about the weather. We talk about uh, the latest series on Netflix or whatever it is that we kind of dribble on about. Moving superficial as we welcome people into our spaces and honour them and serve their needs. Suddenly we start talking and sharing about things that are meaningful. Things about life and purpose and suffering, and hardship. We, we talk about meaningful things, and that's what hospitality can do, is move people in our lives from the superficial to the meaningful, especially in a world where we've got very high walls. I'm living with my mum and dad at the moment because we're about to move, and uh, the walls are very tall. Uh, and I think I've seen my neighbour like twice in the uh, few months I've been there. This is where hospitality, we break down those walls. Physically, that would be rude. Uh, but we want to move people from the superficial to the meaningful, to meaningful relationship. Hospitality can do that. Uh, secondly, moving people from hostile to open in a sceptical world. And I shared before, we're in a hostile world that people don't want to hear this message about Jesus. It confronts us. And Jesus said that that was going to happen. But what, host- uh, what hospitality does is it moves people to actually have an open heart to consider that this really is true and real. I want to share a story of a woman called Rosaria Champagne Butterfield. Amazing name. If you're planning on having children, I'd recommend the name Champagne. That's awesome. Uh, it just sounds like a fun person. Uh, but she, uh, and I don't just share this story because it's kind of a nice illustration to prove my point, but actually she's uh, shaped a lot of my thinking um, about hospitality. She writes a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, I'd recommend. Um, she was an academic in the, like a professor in the 80s. Uh, she was part of the LGBT community that then were very uh, 
uh, vocal and antagonistic, especially to the Christians. She saw, she saw them as privileged, bigots, judgmental, uh, but no power to answer her questions of suffering and abuse and identity. And so she shares about these Christian programs coming to town. And in her thinking, and she was living a different story where herself was the authority. And so for someone to come and say, hey, you're a sinner, it just was like, no, go away. What are you talking about? And that kind of distant program just wasn't going to cut it for her. But there came a moment where she was uh, writing to this editorial, The Promise Keepers, this kind of American Christian movement, had, uh, had um, shared something and she was just out to disprove it all. It's just this is rubbish, this is uh, abusive. Uh, and she was writing against it and there was this guy called Ken Smith and so he just said, hey, why don't you come over to dinner? And she was like, what? Like that's just Okay. And she thought she'll come and uh, just, it'll just prove a point that Christians are bigots and not worth listening to. But she came and she had a question, 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 question. And Ken and his family just loved her, just answered. And she walked away from that dinner intellectually, had more questions. She didn't have them all answered. But she was so struck by this family's welcome and love towards her that she came back the next week. And she came back the next week and the next week. And this happened for about a year. And slowly over time, her hostility became openness. She looked again at Jesus. She saw that he was truly the living water that Rosie reminded us before. And she says this, she said, the hardness of the truth. And and there were some hard things for her to confront. I mean, God being the authority over our lives. I mean, that, that was hard for her to come to terms with. But she said, the hardness of the truth had to match the hardness of relationship. And not the hardness in the sense of harshness, but the hardness in the sense of solidness of trust and love and care and safety. So the hardness of the truth needed to match the hardness of relationship. So hospitality, about moving people from hostile to open in a sceptical world. And lastly, moving people from stranger to neighbour in a divided world. And boy, don't we live in a divided world. I mean, we've just gone through an election cycle, about to go through another one, and it seems to be that we're just so good at pitting us versus them. Sense of insider versus outsider. Righteous, unrighteous. This is the danger too of social media where we just fight these cultural wars. The antithesis of hospitality where we just have this screen and we're sort of safe behind our keyboard and we just fire darts at other people who we don't even know. And so Butterfield says this. She says, what trips up Christians is this. Too much time waging war with people and ideas on social media. Too heavy reliance on church programs to filter strangers, weeding out the creepy ones and bringing to your table the nice and safe ones. This post-Christian world won't stand for this and we shouldn't either. And then she says this, get close enough to the stranger to put her hand into the hand of the saviour. Let me say that again. Get close enough to the stranger to put her hand into the hand of the saviour. This is just what Jesus did. Jesus had a message and It's so important, the good news. I mean, that's, he said, why he came, to proclaim the good news. But he could have just sent a messenger. He could have just sent an email, whatever it was. No, he came in person. That word incarnate, he, he put on flesh. 
to come close to us, to humans. He came physically. He loved. He cared. He ate with. He touched those who were untouchable. He came close. This was the model that Jesus gave for us. So that's what hospitality is, why it's important to our mission. Uh, so what, how do I actually do it? What are some things to consider? Uh, here's a few tips. Firstly, listen well and empathise. I know, I know it's kind of, of course, yeah, uh, but we sometimes forget we're very good at talking. We need to be good at listening. So hear, understand and feel. Uh, secondly, tell stories and testimonies. Our stories have power to connect with people. Be ready to share stories. I had the opportunity to go kayaking with a mate earlier this year and he wasn't a Christian and I was just praying, God, give me opportunities. And as we're paddling up the Coorong, he pointed out this boat that he had a bit of a run in the last time he went kayaking. And he's like, Ollie, you need to teach me about unforgiveness because I just want to set that guy's boat on, on fire right now. And I thought, here's my in, right? He just said, can you teach me about unforgiveness? So I said, uh, can I tell you a story? Like Jesus shared this story, can I tell you a story? And he's like, yeah, that, sure, why not? It was just like we had time. And uh, so I shared the story of the, the servant who owed a bunch of money to a master. The master said, go to jail. I don't care about you. And the servant said, please, please have mercy on me. And so the master has mercy, but then this servant then goes, his servant then owes him money, refuses, refuses to show him mercy. It's just a simple story. And I was able to then connect about unforgiveness, about why we should forgive others, and then point it to the forgiveness of Jesus. Tell stories. I'm not perfect at this, but it was just an example. Tell, tell, be willing and ready to tell stories. Tell your stories. Uh, introduce your Christian friends. Uh, we're very good at having our separate bubbles a good way to think about hospitality is merging those bubbles. Uh, and lastly there, I said a tip, uh, move the relationship piece forward a step. Might be your workmate. The next step might not be the gospel conversation. It might just be, hey, let's go uh, grab a coffee after work. That might be the next step for you. Or maybe it's a really close friend and maybe the next time you go on a holiday, you invite them with you. Or what might be the next step for that person as you move them into your space that you might share the hope that you have? And as we think about hospitality, uh, this last quote I want to give you from Rosario Butterfield, she says, beware counterfeit hospitality because this is what hospitality is not and it shouldn't be. She says, counterfeit hospitality seeks to impress and entertain. Counterfeit hospitality separates host and guest in ways that allow no blending of the two roles. It separates people into noble givers and needy receivers or hired givers and privileged receivers. See, this is why I said in my definition, welcoming people as equals into our spaces. It's not the sense of we've got it and we just kind of give charity to people. It's this sense of genuine welcome and hospitality. It says counterfeit hospitality comes with strings. Christian hospitality comes with strangers, becoming neighbours, becoming family of God. But your hospitality won't come with objection or challenge and pushback. Uh, just as the Pharisees pushed back. So come back with me to the passage, verse 30. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat with and drink with tax collectors and sinners? 
You see, hospitality confronted their sensibility of who was an insider and who was an outsider. Those who are worthy and those who are unworthy. Hospitality confronted their sensibility of those who are worthy. Uh, I wonder if you've ever felt this about green team. I've had these feelings before and I've been really challenged because have you ever asked, why would Christians go and help these uh, graduates or, or people on Hindley Street get drunk? Like, why, why would we care? And are we just affirming them in their behaviour? I mean, doesn't God say that's a sin? Can you honour someone and their dignity without affirming their behaviour? Because for the Pharisees, no way. They, they were outsiders. They're not unworthy. They're unworthy. But Jesus, he sees something different. See, the Pharisees missed something. They missed the image of God in these people. That people are not dignified by what they do. Their dignity is in who they are made by God. So this is why Jesus could do what he was doing. He, instead, he chose to see and identify people by how God saw them. And yet we can trip up, right? We can have this attitude. That God loves the church, but he hates the world. Right? So for God so hated the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish. No. No, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Do we create categories of insider and outsider? Those who are worthy of our evangelism. Those who aren't. Do we expect people to become a good kind of conservative churchgoer before Jesus will accept them, before the invitation goes out? Lastly, this question, would we be willing to see the dynamic change at church or are we only looking to evangelise people who look like us and already think like us? It's a challenge for us because when we show hospitality to the outside, as we invite people into our spaces, that this dynamic might change. People who look different, people who speak differently, who think differently, who vote differently. Would we be willing to see the dynamic change? Are we only ever looking to evangelise people who already look like us, already think like us? This is the challenge. And so how does Jesus answer this resistance? Well, he brings it back to the why. Verse 31, Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the mission. This is the why. The purpose of it all. Have we forgotten why Jesus came? Jesus didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to just make us comfortable. And he didn't come to just kind of categorize us. He came to call sinners to repentance. To call people like Levi. To call people like you and me back into relationship with God. Back into healing. Isn't it interesting the illustration that he uses? And there's different metaphors that we could give to those who are far from God. We talk about people being lost. We talk about people being guilty. Maybe as enemies, maybe as wolves. And yet here, Jesus, he describes them as sick. 
Let's just sit in that for a minute. That's interesting, isn't it? That the posture of Jesus to see those who had rejected him, who were unworthy, his heart is not condemnation, but it is compassion. It's compassion. Like a doctor wanting to help and heal a sick person, so too Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. You see, in our sin, we are in need of healing. Our sin separates us from God. We are doomed to die in this broken world, yet Jesus has made a way for us to come back. And it cost him. It cost him his life on the cross that the wrath of God that we deserved would be put on him. And his love and his compassion that he would come to call us home. He would come to call you home. And he would come to call those that so often we write off back to himself. This is the why. This is the why of hospitality. This is the why of Jesus' mission. Our motivation for evangelism is compassion. We care that people are far from God. And it's the message that our world that's so broken, it desperately needs. The answer to our heart's cry is Jesus and his compassion. And so will we consider hospitality? Will we consider opening up our spaces, getting uncomfortable for the sake of reaching out to others? So think about the people in your life. Who can you do hospitality for this week? Maybe it needs to become a regular thing for you. Maybe if you've got the capacity, it's Thursday nights is my hospitality night. Maybe it's your neighbour this week. Maybe it's your workmate, whoever it is. How can you do that? Maybe you can't invite people over to your house, but maybe, as I said before, let's be creative to think about what are ways that we can do to show hospitality to strangers. And consider those also who you can't see. Maybe the Lord's placed people on your heart that are in a, a faraway country or in, uh, in this country maybe, uh, but, you know, in the, in the country, rural? Do we care that they're lost? Do we share the compassion of Jesus? And would we be willing to open up our lives? Let me pray for us. Our Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And it's just as we look at you again and see your mercy and your kindness in the way that you would welcome us. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. We thank you. I just ask, as Levi saw your face and he realised who you were, willing to give up all for you, Lord, I pray that you would give us such a vision of yourself, of your love and your compassion and your mercy and your goodness, that you would stir in us to be a community, that this church, these people, Lord, you might use as they open up their spaces, as they go and seek and serve those in need, as they show hospitality to their friends and to strangers, Lord, that people would meet Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we pray, fill us with compassion that we would regard no one from a worldly point of view, but that the love of Christ, Lord, compel us now, we pray. Do a mighty work through your people. God, you can do it. Lord, you've given us your spirit. 
You've shown us the way and, and we know that we're powerless and sometimes we feel like we don't have the words. But Lord, we can do hospitality and we believe that your spirit will give us the words. So guide us, Lord, we pray. Use us. We give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.